right. My name is Mark. If I haven't met you, I'd love to. So if you, uh, if you see me around, if you come up and say hi, that'd be awesome because I feel like I know a lot of folks, but it seems like every Sunday morning I look around, there's just a lot of faces that I haven't got a chance to say hi to you yet. So, um, so please do come up and introduce yourself. I'm excited. I get to be the, uh, to kind of close this chapter where we've been talking about these, these three weeks where we focused on, this is our series on money. That's about straightforward as it can be. Uh, so I'm happy this morning I get to share this one passage with you that, for me, has been, has been really powerful. And, uh, and to kind of get us started, you know, there's something I get, I get made fun of a lot for. There's a lot, quite a few things, actually. I, I'm telling you, if you hang out with folks here, especially the, some of these guys on staff, Charlie and Cass, I mean, you, any weakness you have will be brought to the surface. So, but one of those things is you just got to have some tough skin. I've been talking to my boys about that. They, you just got to have some tough skin because you're going to get, you know, you're gonna get you know, rocks thrown, so be ready. And one of those things for me is I still work off a paper calendar. Anybody else in the room, paper calendar guys? All right. Uh, that, to me, it just makes a lot of sense, and it feels like I find it to be superior all the time. Somebody will be like, oh, yeah, oh, my phone didn't remind me if it was on paper. <laughs> but if I see you out somewhere on Sunday and you say, hey, man, you want to get together this week? I'll, I'll have to be honest. Like, my brain is not in my hand because i got to have that, that paper calendar there. i gotta, I got to write it with, with that pen, and i got to look at the month and see, like, what's happening. And so i got to have the paper with me. And uh, another thing I do with that, I've done this for, forever. I keep a to-do list, and uh, I've got a page. I write to-dos, and, and if I, something comes to mind that I need to do, it finds its way on that to-do list, and then I prioritize that to-do list, and I kind of live off that thing. And, you know, I've noticed I don't necessarily write down the things on my to-do list that are, I know some people do this just so they can check it off, but I'm not that guy. I I mean, I don't write down the things that I'm really excited about doing because I'm not worried that those things are going to get done. I'm probably going to end up doing that. It's usually the things that I'm kind of like, all right, man, I'm not too excited about that. I better make sure it's on there so I can make sure that I that I actually do it. And, you know, a few years ago, it was like I was doing this list and I was realizing I was just kind of begrudgingly like, writing out these things that I, I just would write to do at the top of the page, but really there might as well have been a have at the front of it, right? I, these are the things I have to do. And, um, you know, one day I realized, what if, what if in, instead of that I kind of changed my perspective and instead of have to do, if these were my get-to-dos. And so I just started writing get at the beginning of it, get-to-do. And that one word really changed a lot for me. When I started looking at these things that were part of my life, I mean, think about it. These are the things that are, that are taking up my time and my energy. This, my, I've given my life to the things on this list. Hopefully, it's, a, it's not a have-to-do, but it's a, it's a get-to-do. In fact, I read a quote by Steve Jobs not long ago, and I'll butcher it if I try to say it exactly, but basically in it, he says, man, if you look at yourself in the mirror too many days and have to say that you're not excited about what you're getting ready to go do that day, then you probably need to change up what you're doing, right? You need to move, change positions, do something different. If the the things that you're doing in your life, there's going to be some days that you're just not that excited, but if too many days in a row add up, something's wrong. You know, I think we do that with our time. It's, it's this have to do, but I think we do the same thing with our money and with our budget. There are, there are things that we, that we pay for and we spend money on that 
Man, we're excited about that. I mean, buying that plane ticket to go on that, that getaway with your wife, like, I don't have any trouble writing that check, right? <laughs> or typing in my credit card number for that deal. Because that, that right there, like, that's, that's something I'm pretty, I'm pretty jazzed about. But then, man, is, is writing that, uh, that, paying that bill or, or that insurance policy that, you know, or the taxes, you know, are those, are those things that I get really excited about writing? There's some, no, they're not, they're not too exciting, you know? And, and what are the things that we, that we get to spend money on? And what are the things that we, that we have to spend money on? And the big question for us as followers of Jesus is, is giving? Is that a have to? Or does it fall in the category of a, of a get to? I get to give. I get to give these resources that God has given to me. I get to leverage them for an eternal kingdom. Is that a, is that a get to or a, or a have to? You know, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. What he wants for us is for this to be a, to be a get-to, to, to be something that we get excited about, that we start talking about needs and ways that we can, we can do things to expand his kingdom. And those things excite us. And the question is, man, how much can I give? Not, not how little can I get away with, but how, how much can I take? How much can I, can I move around? How much can I, can I do to make this thing happen of my time and my energy and my, my resources that he's given to me? How can, I, how can I get to do that? You see different pictures of, of people in the New Testament that made that decision and how beautiful that was that they, they leveraged their life and their, their finances towards it. Is it a get to? It's supposed to be something that we're cheerful about, that we find joy in. You know, last week, Charlie talked to us from one of the first sermons that Jesus preached in his ministry uh, from Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And he was uh, in the later part of 6 where it's talking about don't be anxious about your life. If you were here about what you wear or about what you're going to eat, don't be anxious. Doesn't he feed the birds and doesn't he clothe the lilies of the field? Isn't, isn't, isn't your heavenly father going to take care of you? It's not like, man, this is ridiculous for you to sit around in anxiousness, although most of us do. Right? I spent most of my life anxious. See, man, that's crazy. And then right in the middle of it, he gives this, this huge, uh, really it's a rebuke. And if you're not careful, you'll skip right over it. He says, oh, you of little faith. Basically, you're anxious because you lack faith that your heavenly father exists and that he's good. If you had that kind of faith, you wouldn't sit around in anxiousness. But because you lack faith, you live a life where your, your heart is in constant turmoil because you're, you're wondering if maybe, just maybe, your father will bail on you this time. And, and you'll sit empty-handed because he didn't show up. And he says, if you, if you have faith, you live on a different, a different plane. And if, uh, if you look um, in Hebrews... There's this uh, example that the writer gives of all these different people in the Old Testament and these different stories, and he ties one kind of theme through all of them. And he says, man, all of these people had faith. They're, they're examples of faith, from Abraham leaving, not knowing where he was going. He, he brings up Moses. If you remember, we just finished a series on Moses not long ago. And this story of Moses is incredible. In fact, the way that he says is, Moses refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses Man had everything. He was in the place of affluence. He, his, his people weren't, but man, he had the, the golden spoon in his mouth. And what did he do? He chose to not be identified as that, but to be identified with his people for the, for the purposes of God. And it says he did that 
by faith, looking forward, looking ahead to the reward. Not in this life, but in the, in the life to come. Then it talks about all these other examples of, of, and it names off all these people, and it says that these guys and girls, that they, they lived in dens and in deserts and had no place to lay their head, and, and it looks like it's craziness and foolishness, and it says that, um, that the world was not worthy of them. It's, it's as if they actually believed that this wasn't their home, and they had a better home waiting for them, and they were just passing through, and so they lived a life that reflected that. And if you just looked at these different stories, I mean, if you really think about it, it's foolishness. Moses, that's crazy. Why do these people do these crazy things? And it says the world wasn't worthy of them. It didn't make sense if you're looking at it from a temporal, worldly point of view. But if you believe that there is a God, and if you believe that our souls do last forever, and there is a heaven, and there is a home that he's building for us, and there is such thing as we're going to talk about in a a minute, of treasures that can be, and an investment that can be made there, Man, they were the only wise ones among us. And then it goes on to give this uh, example of Jesus. It says, For the joy set before him, knowing that he was going to come back from the dead, knowing that his death and resurrection was going to give life and make salvation possible, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went through this thing that was so tough and is really crazy to think about that he he walked right into it having full power to 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 win the battle and 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 not to have to go through that that horrible torture he he did it for the joy set before him he knew what was on the other side of it but you know a lot of times we live as though this world and these temporal things that this is what it's all about And it seems foolish when we come and gather together and talk about an eternity, and yet we live in the temporal. You know, every year, Charlie was saying, I think, uh, I was out of the room, but I heard he talked some smack about me just coming back off the plane. I am a little jet lagged. But, but, you know, I thought about it as I was kind of walking through this and prepping for today. You know, every time I take these trips to India a few times each year, I always have this dilemma when when I get there, and I'm, and I'm halfway jet-lagged when I get off the plane, I have to decide how much uh, money I'm going to transfer and turn from, from USD into, uh, into Indian rupees. And, and that's a hard decision for me because I know, I mean, my days are numbered. This time it was 10 days on the ground. So I've got, I've got 10 days on the ground, and I need to have just enough uh, Indian currency that I'm going to need. So I have to kind of think ahead. How much am I going to have to spend? Because I don't want the, the time to end and to get back on the plane with rupees still in my pocket. Because if you ever tried to spend a rupee in northwest Arkansas? <laughs> it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work very well. In fact, Friday night, Caleb was going to go out with some buddies and, and uh, he needed a little cash. And so I started to give him some rupees I had left over. My old tacos for life will take it, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 didn't, he didn't buy it. Yeah, I mean, so I have to kind of plan ahead because, because that, that's a, a place that I'm visiting. It's not the place that I'm going to plant my life. I don't need to, to invest in a lot of things there. I don't need to try to, to get as, as much Indian currency as I can get because it's a place that I'm there for a short time. And then I'm, I'm coming back to this place and rupees don't do me a lot of, a lot of good here. In fact, uh, a few years ago, I started working with this company and, uh, and they were doing business in India. And one of my first assignments was to go to India to this manufacturer and get their money back. They had made an order and it had gone bad and they had asked for a total refund. 
And so they're sending the rookie to go and basically be the, be the muscle to go get the money back. And, you know, I was, I was kind of excited about the new job. So I was like, all right, I'll go, you know. I walk into this room, and there are these very traditional, this very traditional family. They all had really long beards and were in traditional dress. And when I walked in, they knew what I was coming to do, and they had this scowl on their face. Like. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't know what they were going to do, and they just said, have a seat. And so I sat there. Oh, sorry. I sat there in what felt like a really long time. That was a pretty good recovery, actually. Uh, they, uh, they sat there very, like, man. I didn't know what was going to happen. And they had sent some boy that ran out. And I thought, well, I don't know if he's bringing money back or if he's going to get the brothers. I don't know what's fixing to happen. Sooner or later, this boy walks in and he drops this duffel bag beside my chair. And it's just a bag full of thousands of USD, but it's in rupees. And so now I've got this bag of cash. And they just went like this, just get out. So I I took the bag and I started walking. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized, how am I going to get this money back across into the U.S.? But I just threw it in my bag and took it, and luckily, luckily Customs let me through, and I walked into the financial office at the company, and I, and I laid it down there, and she said, what do you want me to do with this? I, said, I don't know. That's what they told me to do, so here it is. So I saw the financial lady a few months later, and she said, if you ever do that again, she said, I took it down to the bank, and it cost us more in fees to get it transferred than, than what it was worth anyway. Don't you ever bring back rupees here, you know? Because Why? They, didn't, they, were not, they weren't worth anything here. They were worth something there, but they weren't worth anything here. And it was silly for us to invest in that because it had no power here. And that's exactly what we do. We invest in the temporal as if this is home. But brothers and sisters, this is not home. We're visiting this place. We should live as, as just people passing through. I don't know if you've ever had friends from, that were living here from another country and were planning to go back home. And we're just here for a while, just trying to build up resources and sending resources back to their family. But I met a guy like that that had a sweet little family down in Little Rock. And I went over to their house and uh, their apartment. And, and there was a mattress laid out on the floor. And there were, there were plastic, uh, plastic table and chairs and, you know, uh, plastic forks and spoons and paper plates. And maybe in that house they had invested maybe $500. I'm, I'm guessing max. Because they knew that they were here. He had a great job, but they were here for a season. And they were leveraging everything they could to send it back to their family and to plan for their future in their homeland. Not in this place. That's what our Jesus has called us to. We're, we're passing through. And in, a little bit earlier in that sermon that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 6, he says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in, break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart's going to be also and this may be uh, you know, something that Jesus said that you've heard before it's kind of a more common thing but you know, the more I look at it the more I realize that this is just really really common sense just a common sense statement hey why would you invest in something that you know is going to end up in the landfill why would you that doesn't make a lot of sense we know that moth and rust and and time you know you know that that investment each day is losing value and will ultimately be destroyed you know this you have insider news in this stock trade right you i mean you know this company is going down right you know it. Each day it's losing value. But yet, 
you would choose to invest there? Don't. Jesus is like, man, don't do that. Don't put your treasure in those things. Put your treasure in, uh, in a place that it won't be taken away, that 100 years from today, it's only gaining value. This is some insider news. Jesus says, why don't you invest there? Why do we choose to put so much of our stock in the things that we know are dying? Um, that company that I worked for was actually a subsidiary of Hallmark. And it was really, my time there was really interesting because here's this company that everybody knows. Still today, if I bring that up, it's like, oh, the card company, right? Because there was a day when greeting cards were a huge deal. My time there, the whole discussion every day, every meeting was about, man, what else are we going to invest in? Because obviously greeting cards aren't the future. Email kind of, kind of killed the whole business. And so now everybody was trying to figure out what else are we going to invest in? Something that, that will still be here 10 years from now because obviously what we've done, I mean, I would go up to that place in Kansas City, their home base, and there were whole floors that there was nobody. That, uh, there was a day when everybody was designing cards and they were doing the thing, and now it's dead because they had invested in a business, but now it was dying. Why would you invest in a dying business? Uh, when, when Terry and our family moved back from India, one of the things that had happened while we were gone is some technology had changed. And there were these little GPS things that you could put on your dash and it would tell you like maps how to get places. <laughs> this is the best thing ever because that was the main thing that we would fight about. So now we got this thing and it tells us where to go. And so we, right as soon as we got back, got one and we, were, we made this trip to Florida and we didn't fight. <laughs> we ended up in some weird places. I don't know if they didn't know where it was leading us, but we didn't fight about it. We just trusted the little guy to tell us where we were going. And you know what happened about a week later? I was uh, with some college students, and we were in Dallas, and we were trying to go to this basketball game, and I couldn't figure out how to get there, and this one guy rolls up front, I'm driving, he rolls up here, and he's got a smartphone, and the GPS is on there. <laughs> so, man, I just, I just spent 100 bucks on that GPS thing, and now it doesn't even matter. I can have it on my phone. It was like, now that thing doesn't make any sense anymore. And doesn't that happen with technology? It's like I invested in something, and it immediately has no power. Don't store it for yourselves, treasures on earth. Those things are like a big anchor that's tied to your foot that's just dragging you down to the earth. That's the reason he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you're, if you're tied to that, it's, it's pulling you down to this earth as if, these things lasted forever. As if you were going to be here, as if this was home. This is not home. And it's foolish to invest in those things that you know are dying. You know, right after that, he says, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, no body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness... How great is that darkness? And this is something that honestly has been confusing to me for a while. And then I realized, you know, in in context of what Jesus just said, that he follows with this, how true is it? If your eyes are on things that last forever, on the king and his kingdom that's, that's never ending, it's amazing how much light and life is inside of you, how much joy there is there. When I look in your eyes, I see life. Because you've chosen to invest your time, your heart, your energy, your money into things that matter and last. And the same is also true. If your eyes are on the things of this earth and the things that go away, the things that 100 years from today will be in a landfill, and I look in your eyes and you know it's true. Because you've seen it in people's eyes before. People who who have a lot in this life, but you can look in their eyes and you see darkness. And you see death. 
And at the same time, people who have absolutely nothing but have leveraged what they have for the kingdom, and you look in their eyes and you're around them, and you realize there's, there's life there because they've rightly given their attention to things that are eternal. That's a huge thing. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else likes uh, remote control things, cars and such. I have a stream. One day, I am going to splurge and get me a remote control, a gas-powered remote control car, because those things are just bad. Like, but, uh, but back in the day, I really wanted a remote control airplane. And uh, I remember the Christmas that I got it. And yeah, I don't know if anybody used to have these. You know those airplanes that were made out of styrofoam and you'd throw them and they would like spin around? They used to sell them in the, at the kiosk in the middle of the mall a lot of times. you just throw it in, pew, you know. Well, this was made out of that styrofoam. And it had a gas-powered engine on the front of it. And I remember I got it. We went outside. Dad and I were going to fly it. And, and I, I did. I made it where it took off. And then it was flying. Man, that's incredible, you know. It's flying around. We had a pasture beside our house, and it's flying. Then I realized, man, I'm going to have to land this thing. I tried to delay as long as I could. Then I started bringing it in. Boom! It just broke into I wish I could do the Tommy Boy version of that, because that would be really cool. But it, boom, and it just, and all that styrofoam busted everywhere, and it was it was, I mean, they, they had some tape in the box, but it wasn't going to do us any good. It was, it was done, done, done. And it's that feeling, that moment when you realize, man, I, am, I invested inappropriately. <laughs> I mean, I had hoped and dreamed about the day that I would get this remote control airplane, and within 10 minutes, it was done. What a fool. Imagine, imagine that you, you lived your life, and you invested everything that you had, and then two seconds after you breathe your last, you realize, oh, man. I invested inappropriately. I made, a, I made a bad decision. And then on the other hand, what if you did? What if you choose to, to live a life for the future, for eternity, for the kingdom? Imagine that day you, you look like a genius. You know, I, I don't know what this says about me, but I really like uh, movies where there are thieves that steal something. You know, where they make a big plan and go steal something. Uh, in fact, sometimes when I, I have dreams about, man, how much fun that would be. Hey, if anybody wants to get together with me, let's figure that out. Now, especially when they're going to steal something from somebody who stole something from somebody else, that just that makes it feel justified and kind of redemptive in some way. Like uh, Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen are my favorites because they're, they're stealing from a casino. That's like legal, right? So... Um, there's, it's just an incredible story. And the dude, if, you don't, if you've never seen the movie before, shame on you. But there's this guy, Ocean. He has these other guys that are with him. And uh, at the end of the first movie, he gets arrested, which seems like a bad end to the movie. But being arrested for a lesser charge was part of the plan. They had executed the plan perfectly. All of them were multimillionaires. He had, uh, you know, gained the affection of his wife back. He had restored his marriage. Everything was right in his life, and the cops are pushing him in the back of a, of a cop car, and normally those guys that are getting pushed in the back of a cop car with, with handcuffs on, that would be a bad day. But as he drives off, he's got a big, big smile on his face. Why? Because he knows. He knows that he's going to endure the, you know, the jail cell for a little bit, and it actually shows when he gets out and he walks out that day and there's his wife waiting on him. And a big bank account that he knows he's not going to have to worry about money another day in his life. 
And so, so the day has come. And so for, for a time, for a time, it, he has to suffer. For a time, it seems like it's a little bit difficult, but the day is, is approaching. The day that he, that he looks like a genius. You know, C.S. Lewis said this, and I just think this is an incredible quote. He said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. Like children making mud pies at a slum thinking that this is the best it could possibly be because their brains aren't big enough, their imagination isn't wild enough to imagine what it would be like to have a holiday at the sea. You know, this, this makes me think of my, my boy Jack. He's our three-year-old, uh, the, one of the twins. And the uh, boy loves elevators. I mean, he loves them. We, we went for a little vacation uh, over Thanksgiving, and we had a few days in, in, uh, in the embassy suites there, you know, where the middle's open and they've got the glass elevator. And the boy just wanted to ride the elevator. That's all he wanted to do. For three, if we had let him, he would have pushed the button and rolled the elevator for three days straight. He was as happy as he could be. In fact, earlier this year, we were at one of the boys' wrestling tournaments, and we couldn't find Jack, and they had to claw the loudspeaker, and everybody there was searching the whole, the whole gym and all the area for Jack. We thought we had lost him for sure. Boy, was just in the elevator. Loving life, man. Just going up and down. I'm convinced there's no reason to take him to Silver Dollar City or Disney World. What roller coasters? Man, we'll just ride the elevator. He couldn't be any happier because he doesn't know what he's missing. So he's settled and he's satisfied just with that. That's what we do. We, we settle. We settle. The... Uh, you know, when I think about this place and, and what it means to give to something that lasts forever. You know, I've heard a lot of people I, around here. I know my family and our experience, but when I talk to folks, this, this church is, is really unique. There, there's something happening here that, uh, that honestly has, has drawn us in. And it's, uh, the best way I can explain, explain it is that the, the reputation of Jesus out there has, is skewed a bit. And it just feels like this is a place where extravagant grace and the gospel, it just feels like the, the power of that, I, I see it happening. And so I'll be in a conversation with somebody and they'll talk about how coming here on Sunday morning and, and the worship and, and, and Cass and this, this whole team, that man, it, it, it did something, it spoke to them. Or I'll, I'll find out from Cass's small group. I'm telling you, man, you hang out with somebody in Cass's small group, you're going to find out, man. Uh, God is just working in their lives. Or I'll, I'll hear somebody who their, their student ended up in Roots and man, they found acceptance in a place that they feel valued. Or me, me I mean, Jack this morning... I left hearing him go, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. That's like his thing now. Is he says, if you say something to do something, he'll say, no, thank you. And this morning, I don't want to go to church. But it happens every Sunday. He gets here and he throws a fit. And then he gets in that room. And there's a man first hour and a man second hour, two friends of mine, who, who love on the boy. And by the time we leave this place, like, he's, he's happy again, you know? It's crazy, like the people back there that are investing in our kids' lives. And then this last week, I did. While I was in India, I got to be with some of the people who have been sent from the grove. 
And they're living there, and every day they're investing in the lives of people there. And the same thing is true there. The, the gospel, the, the Jesus that's been presented is, is skewed and incorrect, and they're correcting and redeeming who he really is. And, uh, and this one guy, he, he set up this meeting with all these business guys, and, and we got to go in there, and we got to talk about that with all these, these businessmen in India. And those, those are people that we have invested in, that you've invested in. And those things that we've given to are things that don't, don't burn up, that don't rust but they live forever, and they're powerful. You know, uh, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And right after Christmas, uh, my boy Brendan had a little money in his pocket, and he started asking the babies what they, what they would like from Walmart. And this blew my mind, all right? He, he, he started asking them, and I thought, Oh, I know what he's doing. I know the game he's playing. He's trying to figure out some way that I'll get him to Walmart under the guise of trying to buy something for his brother and sister. And I'm going to get him there, and he's going to want to buy his stuff. But he kept on playing it out, kept on playing it out. So sure enough, I, I took him, and he found, he walked around with the babies, and they found what they wanted. And he bought them, and he didn't buy anything for himself, but he bought them both these little gifts. And we got in the car riding back, and I looked over at Brennan's face. And y'all, honestly, I was very convicted. I saw in his face joy. In that moment, he was experiencing what it's like to give. To give, expecting nothing in return. Knowing the influence that it would have. That this thing that Jesus said, and I just quoted this to him, that's what Jesus says will happen. That those that give are more blessed than those that are takers, givers. There's a blessing that's found there. About a year ago, we were on a trip somewhere. I don't remember where, but I remember everybody else was kind of checked out or asleep in the car, and I was left to my own thoughts. And, and I was being really, really hard on myself. I was, you know, I don't know why. I had just turned 40. Maybe I was looking back on life and thinking about the decisions that I was proud of and the re- decisions that I regretted. And I thought about some of the things, specifically the things that I knew that God had asked us to do that we had obeyed on. And some of those things, I thought, man, you know, if I hadn't done that, if I had, had chosen this other path and maybe put myself ahead of, of what God wanted, you know, I, this would probably be true. And I, it might be more, our life might be a little bit more normal. And, you know, and I was regretting one after another. And I was just beating myself up pretty bad. I was, and then right in that moment, uh, Jesus kind of spoke to me the way that he does a lot of times. He just reminds me of scriptures that, he, that, he's, that I've set to memory. And this was one of them. You know, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Set your treasure in heaven. And I realized that, you know, the life of a person who orients their life around eternity looks foolish in the short term. That's the reason Jim Elliott, that, that missionary that, I mean, he, died, he and his buddies died a few days after being with the people they were going to reach. His famous quote is, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And you know, a person that orients their life around that truth, they look foolish in the short term. If you were to take your money and leverage it and turn, I mean, I... I'm not saying that you should do this, but if you did like that family I was telling you about and, and they leveraged their life believing that they were pouring all their finances into their future home instead of their temporal home, you would look like an idiot 
until that couple seconds after you breathe your last. Then you look like a genius. <laughs> and the question comes back to that question of faith. Do we believe that that's true? Or do we believe that's all just a fairy tale and we're just here playing a game this morning? If we believe it's true, then there is a life possible that's free of anxiousness. If we believe it's true, then we can actually put giving at the top of our to-do list as something that we get to do, that we get to be a part of. We can take our time and our calendar and make a decision to orient our life around that thing because we believe that those investments in people and that time is redeemable and it continues to pay dividends for eternity if we believe it's true. And so I'm going to pray and ask that that would be true and I'm going to challenge you over the next few minutes as we sing and as you think, ask yourself the question, do you really believe? Do you really believe? Let me pray. Father, I am... I'm asking you that, uh, that this perspective that is, that is not normal, it's not even normal within the church, it's, it's a perspective that you've called us to, but that uh, as a group collectively, I think we just, we've missed it. Because it's a hard decision to make to say that, uh, that we believe it so much that we would choose something that's a little bit hard or that we would choose to deny something that that seems like it would be really good because we believe so much that it matters, that investment in your kingdom matters, that the things that the church is doing, that that they matter and that we could have as much joy in supporting all those works as we could in buying ourselves something that we would really enjoy. Father, that's a hard decision to make unless it's all true. And so, Father, I pray that you'd fill our hearts with that kind of faith, that we could see it, we could understand it, believe it. And, Father, that we could invest and be the cheerful giver that you say that you love. Make it true to your glory. Amen.